and welcome to another episode of the Worst Sister Shire podcast. We're the Worst Sisters and this week we're going to be covering another episode of Whisperia Lane. This week we'll be covering episodes 13 and 14. I'll pass it to my sisters to introduce themselves now. Hi, I'm Sadie. Hi, I'm Arzum. And I'm Suna. Here in the Shire we've got a motto and that motto is, if attempted murder is a crime, then attempted comedy is a podcast. Um, so... Who's covering episode 13 for us real quick? Quick recap. I can do it. So episode 13 is called Your Fault. The running theme is actions and their consequences. We start with like Lynette, her father-in-law comes to town and she catches him out doing something not so father-in-law-y. Then you see Susan um, having issues with what Julie's doing and with Zach, like their relationship with Zach. You've got Gabrielle having to face the facts with John's parents and them coming to her for help with something. And then you've got like Rex and Brie who are trying to reconcile, but it's not going their way. Like people are dealing with the consequences of their actions here. And I think it's a really good episode. Great. Thank you, Sadie. Uh, Arzum, do you want to give us a quick recap of episode 14? Episode 14 is called Love is in the Air and it's a very fittingly named episode because it's valentine's day on wisteria lane and i wonder if they did that deliberately the episode 14 is like you know february 14th valentine's day well the episode also aired on um february 13th ah cool very well for all the single people staying at home and watching desperate housewives instead yeah (laughs) so it's valentine's day on wisteria lane and all of the couples have something going on, so um, they're all celebrating in their own way. I feel like in this episode, we actually don't see much of like a romantic thing happening for Gabby because she's going through it with, you know, Carlos and stuff like that. But we see her relationship with Yao Lin and herself a lot. Um, we see Susan's relationship with Mike when she wears a very inappropriate dress. And we see what's happening between Lynette and Mrs. McCluskey mainly as well. And also Rex and Brie have a very sort of traditional relationship. Relationship They've reconciled. They're spending Valentine's Day together. So we get to see all of that in a bit more detail. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks. All right, great. <laughs> Who do you guys think we should start with this time? I reckon Gabby. Gabby. Yeah, I think that's a good one. All right, Gabby. Gabrielle. So the first time we see Gabby, she's um in the house with Carlos and she spots Helen and her husband um, walking. So Helen is John's mum walking over to the house. So she quickly makes an excuse and runs outside. So Carlos doesn't hear it all. She says, don't worry about it. Like it's over. I haven't spoken to John in weeks. And they're like, yeah, actually we're not here for that. We want you to convince him to go to college. Cause for some reason he's decided not to go. He's starting up a business instead. And um, you can tell that Helen's still really pissy. Um, and the father kind of apologizes for her. And he's like, oh, she's still really upset. And Helen's like, yeah, about the whole statutory rape thing, which is, like, very fair. Yeah. I still wonder, like, why didn't they go to the police? Well, we'll get to it at the end of the episode in more detail. But I think the father has got it into his head that this is, like, a great thing for John. So he's not bothered by it. Yeah. So he probably convinced her to lay low, is what I'm imagining. Yeah. So, yeah. Anyway, Gabby shows up at John's house and he's living with a bunch of other people he's in, in a share house type situation yeah the bathroom decoration is a bomb yeah and we find out that the reason that he's decided to start up this business instead of going to college is he thinks this is his chance so he's heard that um mr solis is now like you know in trouble 
on house arrest, can't make any money. So he thinks he's going to provide a lavish lifestyle for Gabby on his little lawn mowing wage. So this is his this is his plan. But Gabby has to kind of be like, hold on one second, John. Like, that's not why I'm here. Like, you know, I'm here to tell you, you should go to college. Like, you know, you need to go to college. And he's just like, no, 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 I'm doing this for you so we can finally be together. Um, like, I, I want to be able to provide for you. I want to take care of you. And next thing we know... John is down on one knee with a ring. Like, yeah. he is proposing to her in his little share house bedroom. Yeah. Also, he proposed to her by saying, Mrs. Solis. He did, yes. yes. <laughs> I didn't even notice yes, that. Yes. Yeah. Mrs. Solis, will you marry me? That is hilarious. Oh, like, you did not. He is, that is hilarious. That's because, like, yeah. their relationship is so, like, you can't even call it a relationship. It's not at all equal or fair or like on the same level in any way she's literally he's he was she was his employer it's like such a abuse of power Mm. she's so much older than him he literally even proposing to her is like yeah mr solis imagine aria proposes and she's like mr fitz will you marry me she will but the thing (laughs) is though it's not even like her maiden name it's her married name that's why it's even funnier yeah it's mrs solis like it's her married name it's not even just a sign of respect it's like her married name. Yeah. Which is wild. When Gabby gets home that afternoon, um, she arrives at the same time as Helen. And Helen is angry because the ring that um, John proposed with is like her grandmother's ring or something or her mother's ring. Anyway, it's a family heirloom. John's taken it to decide to um, propose to Gabby. And um, Gabby's like, oh, don't worry about it. I'm not going to marry John. The doy. The doy. Yeah, exactly. And Helen's getting like annoyed and the dad acts like Helen is the problem and he sends her to the car. Like, I would have just flat out refused to go. Like, why are you giving her a break? She literally, like... I know. Abused your son. Statutory raped. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's this moment between um Gabby and the dad, which I thought was so weird, where she's like, like, oh, I understand so why creepy. she's angry with me, but I don't understand why you're you're so nice. The father goes on about how he was always perfect and he always did the right thing and he never made any mistakes. But he wishes that when he was John's age, he made a mistake like her. He says, you know, John's a big boy and it's as much his mistake as yours. Like, no, the hell it's not. No. <laughs> John cannot no, legally not. consent. <laughs> no, the hell it's not. No. And, um, yeah, I just thought this was such a weird scene. And then at the end of all that, she's like, oh, that's sweet. Like, uh, no, it isn't sweet. It's creepy, first of all. It is creepy. Yeah. Like, it was the weirdest fucking scene. I don't know why they included that in there. But just to get some sort of a redemption for Gabby, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I know. But it didn't feel like a redemption thing or like, you know, he gets it because John, whatever. It felt like he was hitting on her and it yeah, was just Yeah, I know. Weird. I know. Yeah. And also, I didn't like how he, like, kind of glanced at his car angrily in the car as in, like, oh, I wish I made a mistake like you when I've got that bitch in the car. Like, that's kind of the vibes it I gave know. me. And I'm like, Same. oh, okay, sorry for protecting our son. For being outraged. That, like, because 100%, if this was reversed and they had a daughter and, like, you know, it was Carlos oh, or something, he yes. wouldn't be saying that. Oh, yeah. He would be trying to, you know, rip the house apart if it was in the reverse. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. He wouldn't be like, oh, well, it's her mistake to make them. Yeah, he wouldn't be like, it's as much her mistake as yours. Anyway, after all of that, Gabby ends up returning the ring to John. And um, 
She basically says, you know what? Love doesn't make the world go round. I know you love me, but it's just not enough. She said she's tried poor and happy, and guess what? She wasn't happy. So that's the end of that episode for Gabby. In the next episode, she's basically fighting it out with Yao Lin the whole time. Gabby's on the phone, and she's trying to book another job, but she's being accused of being a diva, and she's like, both trying to be a diva on the phone and yelling at Yao Lin. They have this kind of weird face-off where... She turns around and goes to Yaolin. Ah, oh, you missed a spot on the floor, like in between her phone call. And Yaolin's giving her attitude now. So she's like, you know, I'll get back to it. And she's like, no, I want you to do it now. So they're kind of fighting about um, the spot. And Yaolin says, like, I'll do it if you say please. So Gabby begrudgingly says, please. But then she says under her breath, anything to get you back on your knees and scrubbing where you belong. Like, how is this necessary, Gabby? I don't know. I just don't buy Gabby at all. um, No, neither. Especially these episodes. Like, she's funny sometimes, but she's just such, like, a bitch sometimes. She is. And I don't get it. Because, like, later on in the episode, she also talks about, like, how she came up for nothing, etc. Like, okay, you came up from nothing. Then why don't you treat people better? Like, I don't understand. Exactly. If you came up from nothing, why can't you put yourself in Yalin's position? Like, Like, if she had a better start in life, I'm sure she wouldn't want to be cleaning your floors either. Exactly. Not everyone's got the same flipping opportunities. And then Gabby gets the weirdest job of all time selling mattresses. So she gets there, she thinks it's a photo shoot. Um, But when she gets there, they're like, oh, but didn't the agent tell you this isn't a photo shoot? You're just going to be like walking the floor, basically trying to sell these mattresses. Um, In lingerie. Yeah, you're here to remind people that there's more fun things you can do on a mattress than sleep. I don't know, this whole thing, like, if you're going to pay a real-life model to come lie down on your beds, at least commit to the bit. Like, the beds are just plain mattresses. At least put some freaking sheets on. Make it look nice. I know. Like, I know. And then it was even more awkward because people actually come and lie down next to her while she's modelling the bed. Like, <laughs> I don't know. I just wouldn't feel comfortable at all lying down next to a weird model on a bed. She ends up putting up a sign. Yeah. Please do not talk to the model. Yeah, and the manager doesn't like that. But also she was like, oh, yeah, being a mattress salesperson is beneath me. That's not my job. I'm just here to model. Like, no, it really isn't beneath you, Gabby. Like, you need money. Agreed. But, like, the guy was also, like, going after her for um not being a team player. And I thought that was stupid because she'd been there for literally half a day. Yeah, that was funny. I actually liked that interaction because they both had a point. <laughs> yeah. So he said, oh, you didn't even um, pitch in for Hazel's cake. And she's like, I've known yeah. Hazel for a day. And he's like, it didn't stop you from having a slice. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Which I thought was funny. Like, they're both kind of right. <laughs> they are both kind of right. But also, like, I wouldn't expect the new person to pitch in either. I'd let them have a piece of cake, but I wouldn't expect the new person to pitch in. Also, mate, you run a freaking mattress store. Treat your employee to a cake. Yeah, I agree. I was going to say, I feel like the boss should just buy a birthday cake. Like, Yeah, exactly. Like, I don't get it. You you have your own store. You can afford to buy your employee a cake. This is like a weird, like a mini story slash question for you guys. I want to know what your guys' thoughts are on this because I just saw it online before we um, logged on. But basically, this mum and her daughter went to a park and they're just like playing and stuff like that. And then this other birthday party comes into the park too. There's a bunch of kids there. They're, you know, doing their party things. But because um, there's a bunch of kids and there's just this one parent and their child, the child ends up playing with all of the birthday people, like they're hanging out in the swings, doing whatever, you know, playing like kids do. 
And eventually yeah. the yeah. mum of like the, the kid whose birthday it is, is like, okay, kids, come on, we're going to sing happy birthday. And she invites the little girl over as well because, you know, they've been playing. She's like, you know, come, you can sing as well. Yeah. And they sing and then they start cutting the cake. And the kid, like, waits in line for some cake. And as the mum is walking over just to be like, you know, you know, it's okay if she has cake kind of a thing. The f- mum of the kid whose birthday it is, like, takes the cake out of the kid's hands and is like, no. This is not your birthday party. These are not your friends. You can't have any cake. Um, yeah. No, I feel like it's weird on the host's side because they invited her to sing along, right? Like they accepted her as part of the group. Yeah. yeah. It's weird to take a cake from a kid. I feel like even if they didn't invite her in, if you're having like, like if I was at a park, I don't even have kids and a random kid came over and was like, can I have some of your cake? I'd be like, yeah, if your mum says yes, you can. I'm not going to say no to a random kid that wants cake. I know. That's what I was going to say. I feel like, and in the video that's being explained, it's the one little kid's mum who wasn't a part of the birthday party. She's like, you know, going over there basically just to say like, oh, it's okay, you know, um, to give them the cake. Because I think like maybe that's why, I think from afar that's what she thought. Like it was apprehensive because she's like, oh, like I don't know, you have to talk to your mum kind of a thing. Which is, like, fair and reasonable. You don't know what allergies that kids has if they're allowed sugar. Yeah, that is reasonable. I also wouldn't offer something to eat to a kid who's who I didn't know without getting their parents' permission either for the very same reason. Like, they could have yeah. allergies. They could have whatever. Yeah. Their parents might yeah. just think I'm a creep that's trying to poison their kid. Like, you know, you, d- you check yeah. first. But, like, I also wouldn't deny yeah. a kid something because they're just a kid. Mm. Yeah, I feel like it's especially weird because she invited the kid over to sing happy birthday. I, I feel like the host should have been like, where's your mum? Let's go ask her if we can get you some cake. Yeah. 100% yeah. weird not to give the kid cake. 100%. Like, if anyone has a different opinion to that, I don't want to know you. <laughs> yeah. So the mum of the kid who wasn't a part of the party was the one who posted this. And she was like, I'm sorry. I'm like, I'm about to have an aneurysm thinking about this. Am I just being entitled or was this really weird? Um, yeah. No. no she was like, weird. am I being entitled right now to expect that she was going to give my kid cake? Like, No, it's weird. Because, you know, like she would know herself what she would do in that situation, right? Like. She obviously knows yeah. she would give the person cake, like, because it's normal. That's what you would do. Yeah. Do you guys want a mini worst sister story? Yes. A story about Jemin, not the other one. We took Jemin to McDonald's, right? And you guys all know that he has this love of McDonald's. Yeah. And when we walked through the doors, the, he was so excited and so hungry that he couldn't wait. He just went up to a random person's table and stole some chips off their tray. And I was, like, apologizing profusely, right? profusely apologizing and the, the like the people that he took the chip from um they're a couple so there was a man and a woman and the woman's looking at us like we're scum yeah. and the, and her husband or her boyfriend whoever he's like oh here you have some more it's okay it's okay yeah right so what would you do in that scene? i wouldn't like it because that's not a thing to share like it's not like he you know wants a piece of my cake I would also be horrified yeah. if a kid came and just randomly took some of my chips from my plate. What did you do? I apologised profusely, bought them a new one and brought it over. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Like, kids are kids. Things happen. That, yeah. That's all you can do. I would have just gone, sorry, like, my bad. I'll get you some fresh yeah. chips. And then, you know, it's over. I feel like it's not that big of a deal. But I also would be horrified if a random kid came over and started touching my food. Well, a random kid came over and used you as a hand towel. I feel like yeah, that's I was gonna worse. say this. This happened to me when I was on holiday. A random kid used me as a hand towel. 
Was it Mikey? No. No, it was did I not tell you this story? No. Ah. It was when I went on holidays recently. I was um just traveling. I stopped by because we, we went on a big driving holiday uh, for people listening at home. And um, it was like a, you know, literally a two-day two drive. So we were stopping often to go to the bathroom, get something to eat, that sort of stuff. So in one of these random pit stops that we had, I went to the public bathroom and there was a line. So you were kind of waiting to go. And I'm in the line just waiting and there was a woman and her kids kind of ahead of me that had just finished going to the bathroom, washed their hands. Then he looks up at the line, zeroes in on me, runs over, wipes his hands on my shirt and leaves. <laughs> and I'm just like, who was assessing clearly who had the softest shirt? Oh my God, it was crazy. And then I just, I don't think the mum even saw, but I caught like the glance, like I made eye contact with the girl who was standing behind me and we both just laughed. <laughs> like that was weird. Yeah. But yeah, like also kids are kids though. Like, you know, it yeah. happened. That's what what I was can I say. do? Yeah. How old was he? Like seven. Oh, that's definitely old enough to know better. <laughs> I know. This is why it was horrifying. <laughs> <laughs> See, in, that, in my head again, in this story, I'm thinking like maybe four. No, if they were like two to four, it would be cute. They were like seven. <laughs> no, like, that's basically a grown man wiping his hands on you. <laughs> I know. Like, this is what I mean. This is why I was horrified. If it was a two-year-old, I'd be like, oh. <laughs> you kind of feel honored if it's a two-year-old. You're like, oh, you chose me. <laughs> uh, anyway, should we get back to Gabby and her cake? <laughs> Okay, yeah. so um, yes, Gabby did not chip in for Hazel's cake, but she ate some. And then she um, lost her job for not being a team player. Um, so the first thing she does when yes. she loses her job, she's like, oh, I know what. I'll go to some retail therapy. Like, bro, with what money? Um, and when she gets there, she's realized she's broke and she can't afford the moisturizer. So she decides to get a job. And it's um, while yeah. she's working at that job that Yao Lin comes in. Straight away, Gabby starts going to defense mode, which you know is not true. Like, she's like, oh, I wanted to call you. I felt terrible about how we left things. And you're like, no, you didn't. You probably didn't even think about her at all. And then, like, so Yalin asserts herself a little bit because I would too. Like, revenge is sweet. And she said that she wants help. Um, she wants a lipstick now, which is, like, very similar to how Gabby was speaking to her with the floor cleaning thing. She wanted her to clean it now. Mm-hmm. And so while Gabby's doing Yalin's makeup, she just goes on this weird freaking ranty tirade about how Yalin is shit and this is as good as it's going to get for her. But for Gabby, it's just a blimp on the radar and she pulled herself out of nothing once and she could do it again. And like, I don't know. I don't know where she gets this freaking attitude from. Yeah, I know. Self-entitled. And she's just like, so enjoy this while you can. Yeah. Um, And then she goes home to her house arrest husband after this yeah she does and that's it for gabby all right so brie starts off with brie and rex uh having a meeting at their dining table with their respective lawyers and they're dividing the assets Mm -hmm. rex is like the whole time basically trying to stop the whole thing he's like he doesn't want this he wants to talk it over he doesn't want a divorce anymore and Bree's just like pushing ahead and she just wants just for the sake of it can i just say i want to understand what's What's changed for Rex all of a sudden? Is it literally just that he started that she started dating George and then stopped? Like because no, I think it was his near death experience. Yeah, it was his heart attack. 
Because I was going to say, he was the one who filed for divorce. He's the one who cheated on her. Like, Yeah. Um, but he was doing that out of pride. Like, he didn't want to have to come out, out to Brie about his kink. But I think when he had his near-death experience, he realised that she is important to him and he doesn't want to lose her for that. Like, Because even when she comes in, when she has her, like, killer speech where she's like, you know, I'm glad you lived to hear me tell you that you suck thing. He yeah. was really open yeah. to hearing her out. And he was like, yes, I'm glad you're here, blah, blah, blah. And then she, like, shredded his heart. Which was the right Yeah, thing. I'm not hating. But, like, I think that yeah, was yeah, yeah. a change for him. Mm, okay, that makes more sense. I was going to say, because, like, literally what has changed, she's the one who did all of this. Now he's like, Brie, I don't want a divorce. But I guess you're right. It was more, like, subtle, I guess, in that he wanted to get back together before. But the signs were there. Now yeah. he's just outright saying it. Yeah. And so, like, one of my favourite Brie lines from this is um, – she said that she wants to keep the club membership because Rex is terrible at tennis and he hates buffets. <laughs> yeah. Well, to be fair, last time he went to a buffet, he was in hospital because of onions. And also, Literally. he never actually went to tennis practice. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So it all adds up. They're getting vindictive at each other. So Bree's mad because Rex wants the good china and he's just going to eat takeout out of it. He doesn't even want it. But she also wants yeah. a timeshare in Aspen and she wants it even though she's never going to use it. And next she wants his golf clubs. Um, so they're like continuing to fight in the kitchen after the lawyers have gone. She reminds Rex that he needs to take his medication. So she's still playing that kind of caring role, even though she's telling him to F off in between. You know, she says to him that it's too late because he keeps saying, let's just, you know, give it another shot. Like, you know, can you ever forgive me? And she said it's too late. She wants revenge. And if they could level out the playing field, then she might come back. And he's like, what, you're going to sleep with someone? Like, who, your dopey pharmacist? And um, she's like, maybe, would that make you sad? And she's, he said it would devastate him. But he actually seemed open to considering it, I thought, in that moment. Yeah, because he was kind of like, so who are we talking about, kind yeah. of the thing. I think, like, if Bree was vindictive enough to yeah. want to do it, he would go along with it to try and get the relationship back. I feel like he would. But I feel like this is how the, this next series, like, evolves. So, Rex has got this in his mind now that Brie wants to sleep with the pharmacist. So when the next day she runs into him at a diner and she doesn't get home till 2 a.m. So we'll get into it in a minute. Yeah. Um, Rex starts to think that he may have slept with her and he goes to confront the yeah. Um, pharmacist. Yeah. So just taking two steps back though. So Brie's eating alone at a diner and George was kind of just walking past and he sees her in there. So he stops in to say hi. It sounds like she wasn't expecting him. At first, I thought they were meeting, um, but she wasn't expecting him. Yeah, same. And um, she says, you know, she's not normally a diner gal, but she needed to get out of the house and it was the only place open. And she invites him to have a dreadful cup of coffee with her. Then she starts dumping her kind of problems about Rex on him, telling him about how they met. So anyway, she asks George what he thinks she should do. And... Then she stops because she realizes she's kind of overstepped and this must be hard for him. But he says, no, no, no. Like, I do want to help you. And um, so he says, if he's a good person and he loves you, then, and I found, if I found someone like that, I'd find a way to forgive them. And yeah. first of all, that's like bad advice because that person could be abusive or whatever. <laughs> yep. And second of all, it was super creepy because he's like squeezing his um, hand angrily under the table around his own kneecap like so he's really going through some yeah shit. the guy's like psycho yeah i think this um kind of convinces her to give rex another shot 
But before they get there, she gets home at 2am and Rex is awake as she's walking upstairs. And I think he thinks she was out with the um, dopey pharmacist. So Rex goes to pick up a prescription from the pharmacy that his cardiologist called in. And he's really like ruffling feathers with with George. And um, like you don't want to do that when he's got your medication. And he plays the um, I'm a doctor and you're just a pharmacist card to him. Yeah. Like who do you think she's going to pick? And like she, he's really ruffling George up. Mm. And um, George pretends that he can't find his prescription and says that he'll have it delivered the next day. So George gets the medication tips it out into the bin and then we see him going back looking for something so at this point i'm thinking he's changing out the pills for rex yeah that would be a good assumption yeah rex was like an asshole in this scene as well because like george was still being like i don't know maybe i'm interpreting this wrong but being like fairly polite and stuff and saying Bree's like a lady and stuff like that and whatever and Mm. george is just there to kind of not george sorry rex is kind of just there to assert himself and like like you said be like she's not going to end up with you anyway so you better keep like your distance sort of a thing yeah rex is desperate at this stage though he thinks he's losing brie to him so he's yeah. bringing out all the guns like i'm not saying he was right but like i feel like he's desperate at the end of the day really he's made his bed he needs to lie in it george is like for all he knows like doesn't know anything that's happened with him and brie so far or like the shooting of the foot thing anything like that or like the feelings it's none of mm-hmm. his business and you know George is just there stuck in the middle. I don't feel sorry for George, though. Yeah, but he doesn't know what we know. Yeah. Maybe he vibes it. In the next episode, we start off seeing Brie at her therapist. Brie's at her therapist and she's talking about dinner parties. She's really excited. Her and Rex are back together. And one of the things she's missed the most about being a part of the couple is throwing a good dinner party with her fine china. (laughs) Dr. Goldfine is like, okay, so you guys have like rekindled your relationship. Have you forgiven his infidelity then? Um, and she's like, no, I just plan on ignoring my problems. I've put that in like a box in my brain and I just plan on never opening it. Dr. Goldfine's kind of like, are you sure that's like enough for you? Like, will you ever be able to forgive him? And Brie says the funniest thing ever. She's like, um, after a few decades whiz by, I'm sure I'll find a way to forgive him. Yeah, but that's not even the funniest thing she says because... After yeah. that, he asks her, so you'd settle for a life of repression and a denial? And she says, and the dinner parties. Don't forget the dinner parties. I know. She loves the dinner parties. Mate, She's so funny. Hilarious. Um, but also in this therapist's office, she does say that, like, I still do feel like Rex is not quite being open with me. Like, we haven't discussed why he felt the need to cheat, basically. And she's like, I just want him to be open with me and tell me what's going on. Like, I'm worried it's something really bad. And Dr. Goldfine kind of avoids his her eyes. And she's like, you know what it is, don't you? Can't you tell me? And he basically is just like, no, and won't like make eye contact with her. So she thinks it's particularly bad. It's Valentine's Day tomorrow. And Bree says, you know, it's Valentine's Day. And Rex says, yep, I already got you your roses and English toffee, just like always. But, you know, it's always their tradition. They always do that. And they always make love as well. So Brie makes a point of saying that she's looking forward to it and asks Rex if he is as well because he just smiles at her. Yeah, so she's like <laughs> full on badgering this to um, tell her what what the big deal is, right? And he's like, he finally gives in and he's like, well, yeah, I'll tell you what it is. Um, tells her what it is. And then she freaks out. It's an S&M kink. He likes to be dominated. 
she's like taken aback by this. She's like, oh my god, what did your mother do? Yeah. And um, they sit there and the, and she's like, she's not understanding like what it is that he wants. So they put on like a special video together. Mm. Right? And they sit there and they watch it. And, and she's like horrified that this is what he wants. Mm. And he feels like crap because he's just like, this was his deepest fear. Brie finding out and then Brie rejecting him for it. She ends up slapping him and was like, was that good for you too? And then just walks away. That was so funny though. That was hysterical. It was. Yeah, because he said, I want you to hurt me so I can feel pleasure. And so she slaps him in response and is like, was that good for you too? Hilarious. Yeah. Anyway, so Brie does come around to the notion of this S&M thing. And, um, like, while they're in bed, she starts asking questions about it and he explains it and he pulls out, like, this box of toys and whatever. And um, they're trying to think of, like, a safe word. And she – what was the first safe word? Boise. Philadelphia. No, that was yeah, his that's safe it, Philadelphia. word. That was his safe word. And she's like, oh, I yeah. can't because it reminds me of my aunt. Yeah. Yeah. So – so then she's trying to come up with a safe word and he's vetoing it because um, he thinks it sounds comical and he doesn't want it to sound too comical in, in the bedroom. Mm. So she finds a third option. God, what was the third one? Palestine. Yeah, Palestine. something more serious. Yeah. And then Rex is like, actually, Boise is fine. <laughs> the thing that I was um, going to say, though, But the thing I wanted to say is... It's oh, probably the same go. thing as me. Were you going to say that how did he have a whole box of domination, dominatrix stuff that she never saw because she's the one that does all the cleaning and stuff? No, but that's an excellent point. <laughs> I don't understand how he had a box of dominatrix things at the very front of their c- cupboard in a space where she does all the chores. Maybe he, um, I don't know, put it under a box of golf clubs or something. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I just feel like it was in such an easy spot. She definitely would have found it. No, what I was going to say was... When he suggests the word Philadelphia, he's like, oh, well, you know, lately I've been using Philadelphia. Why would you want to use the same word you were using for your mistress? Like, don't bring that up right now. Yeah, I also thought it was weird because, like, he's reminding her of the fact that she he just had an affair. It just reinforces, oh, you've been doing things without me. Like, you've been cheating on me. I just thought that was so bizarre. Yeah, agreed. Bree says, okay, so what do we do? And he wants Bree to handcuff him to the bed and it's going to make their marriage more passionate and like magical and all this stuff that he says. You won't regret going on this journey with me. And she's like, yeah, okay, sure. But can I just run these handcuffs through the dishwasher first? So the we end the episode with Bree um, taking the cuffs out of the dishwasher. So I guess we'll see um, next episode what she ends up doing with them. Well, maybe not. That might be a bit too um, out there for this show. I want to see everything. All right, let's get into Lynette. So we start the episode off with Lynette on a ladder by the roof of her house because Parker has gone up there and is now too scared to get down. And I feel like this is such like a classic like mum problem. Like I feel like I can see any parent experiencing this. Tom pulls up to the house with his dad, Rodney, um, who's just come from the airport. I guess he's visiting. He decides, you know, while I'm here for my business trip, he's like, I'm also a parent. I've handled this before. Let me give it a crack. Old mate, like, goes up this little ladder and he's like, hey, Parker, you little sissy bitch, basically. Yeah. If, you're a, if you're a lady sissy bitch, you won't come down this ladder. But if you're a man, you'll come down. And it works and he gets him down. 
And I literally wrote in my notes as I was watching this bit, I wrote down, he gets Parker down with some good old sexism. And as I was typing that, Tom asked Lynette how he got um, Parker down. And she said, with sexism. But can I talk uh, for a second about um, Rodney? First of all, I thought this was perfect casting. Like, he looks pretty much like Tom's dad, right? He does. Yeah, he does. Yeah. I thought it was, it was a really good casting. But also, I think he also looks like a cross between William Shatner and Donald Trump. I do agree that he looks like William Shatner and Donald Trump's love child, correct? Yeah. I will need some DNA testing, thanks. But next we see Lynette um, taking the kids to their, like, softball or baseball or some kind of ball game. Something that involves a mitt. Yeah, something that involves a mitt, which Parker left behind. So after they leave, they unexpectedly come home to get the mitt. And she catches Rodney with someone in her house who's apparently like, I don't know her name, like selling paper or something, Veronica something or other, selling paper. And they're just hammering out the details. But they've both popped up from the couch. Their hair is messy. Her shirt's like unbuttoned. Parker's found like her stockings in the corner. (laughs) Like, I don't know. It was just wild. But like. Yeah, you could tell they were doing adult things. Yeah, they're doing adult things, but it's like, how how adulty were they going and how wild were they going in Lynette's house also? Because, like, Parker was upstairs to go get his mitt, comes down with pantyhose, but they're still making out on the couch and he's unbuttoning her shirt. So what happened? Did you, like, start upstairs, finish, come downstairs, restart? Like, what were you doing? Yeah, that was my exact comment as well. And also, how quick did they do all of this? Like, how quick... How long was Lynette gone before she had to turn back around to get the meat? Exactly. It was all wild. But yeah, so Lynette's just like, yeah, yeah, nice to meet you. Bye. And leaves. <laughs> leaves her own house. And then Rodney is just like avoiding Lynette. We see him like come downstairs in the morning. He's toasted his little bagel, throws some butter on his plate and he's trying to run away. And Lynette's like, house is only so big, Rodney. You can't keep avoiding me. Yeah. And he's like, you know what, Lynette? You're right. She wasn't a supplier. And she's like, Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> Could never have guessed that. Yeah. So, yeah, Lynette just basically has a real issue with, like, how could you do this to Alison, which, you know, where I'm assuming is Tom's mum. Tom's mum, yeah. And, yeah, so she's like, how could you do this to Alison? And he kind of, like, makes up some excuse, like, oh, you know, I've spent, like, 40 years on the road. Yeah, he acts like Kids he's grow the up, victim. you feel disconnected. And that's pretty much what Lynette says as well. So she's like, oh, so you're the victim here? And he's like, oh, so I see we're going to agree to disagree. And he goes to leave and it's like, we're not done. And he's like, yes, yeah. we are. It's my sex life. There's nothing you can do about it. Lynette, <laughs> Lynette yeah. has her Lynette face on her. And then next thing is Rodney sitting outside on the curb with his luck. I know. I loved that. The thing I loved even more was how the next person ends up on a curb. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, though, I can so totally see where Tom gets his personality from as well. Because he's just mm. like Rodney, like... He's always the victim and he's always, um, you know, making excuses and whatever. And he's like, I'm trying here, Lynette, doing the bare minimum. And like his attitude towards Lynette, you can really see where it comes from in this episode. Yeah. Yeah. So um, Tom gets home and he asks, he sees his dad on the curb and he's like, he finds out that Lynette kicked him out. He's like, okay, okay, I'll figure this out. So he goes in to talk to Lynette and he's like, oh, what's happening? But Lynette's really settled in to deliver Tom some bad news. So she thought he would be crushed by this. Like she thinks this is such a betrayal and such a like shortcoming of his dad that she thought he was going to be crushed. So she prepares him a drink. She gets him ready. 
And he's like, not surprised. And Lynette's like, hang on. Yeah. Why does it feel like you knew about this? And he says he didn't know, but he's not surprised because Rodney's been having affairs for years. He said, And then like Tom goes on to add, I'm actually impressed because I thought he was too old to keep doing this. Like, mate. <laughs> I know. I know. And he says that like his mom has made his peace with it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he just makes excuses for his dad. And yeah, he says his mum's fine with it. And Lynette's like, I really don't think she is. Um, and then they have a fight about whether Rodney is allowed to come back into the house or not. And Lynette's adamant he's not. And Tom's saying, yes, he is. And then he says, it's my house. You can't tell me what to do. And then the next scene is both Tom and Rodney sitting on the curb, which I loved. I know. And Rodney's kind of like, we should go kick down the door. And Tom's like, okay, dad, you go do that. See how that works out for you. Yeah, literally. Lynette and Tom are in bed and they're talking about um, like what's going on and how she's feeling. And she's basically saying to him that um, like she's sorry for overreacting. When I don't think she overreacted, I think she had a very good reaction to what was going on. And she's sort of like, well, what the hap- what's going to happen if that's us? You know, she doesn't want to be like that. And she's, like, really opening up and, like, bearing her soul to her husband. And he's, like, no, no, I'm not my father. And he's, like, trying to, like, um, calm her down, essentially. But just before they go to sleep, she turns around and she says to him, if you ever do that to me, I will take the kids and I'll leave you. And this resonates with him, I think. So he can't sleep that night. He gets up and goes downstairs. And like the early hours of the morning, make himself a bowl of cereal. His dad comes down to him and is like, oh, what happened? You can't sleep either. And he sort of confesses to Rodney, his dad, that, um, you know, he may have, he insinuates that he's made a mistake and Lynette doesn't know. And now he's worried that if she ever finds out, she's actually going to, you know, make good on her promise and actually leave him. Yeah, juicy scenes. Mm. Well, that's the end of that episode for Lynette. So this episode starts off with um, Lynette getting a really nice um, flower pot from her kids, which she's really excited about. So they got her a flower pot for Valentine's Day. And we start off seeing that Lynette's really proud of this because it's the first nice present she got from them. So she suffered through bad artwork, spice racks and um, macaroni jewellery, but she's real proud of this thing. So what she does is she goes out and puts it um, on the porch because she wants the whole neighbourhood to be able to enjoy it. And the kids are like just smiling in the background as she does this. But you'll come to find that these kids are dumb and they should have told her to keep it in the house because it turns out she, they stole Mrs. McCluskey's pot. So they didn't actually make this. She got it when she was on a cruise from on Costa Rica and um, she comes back and takes her pot back. Meanwhile, Tom gets home. He forgot it was Valentine's Day and took off again. Classic Tom. Classic like- Tom. I don't know how you can literally forget Valentine's Day. It's the same every year. Yeah, and also, like, it's advertised everywhere for a million years. Yeah, but he doesn't do any of the shopping. doesn't do anything. He just goes to work, goes on, like, he's basically, like, margarita trips, and then he comes home. But he's literally in advertising. I know. It's such a good point, telling me He is in advertising. He didn't, have, he didn't have any campaigns around Valentine's Day? I doubt it. Well, well we know he's not good at his job. Well, that's true. Good point. But when he's like, oh, have you guys thought about advertising? Yeah, he probably got home from releasing some bloody uh, Valentine's Day themed ads and gets home and he's like, oh, shit, forgot to get something for my wife. Yeah, literally. 
Then Lynette is having to face her kids. She's like to the boys. She lines them up at the table. She's like, you know, Parker, Preston, um, Porter, you know, people who steal, they get spanked because, you know, you guys, you lied and you stole and you made me look bad in front of, you know, mummy's sworn enemy, Mrs. McCluskey. Um, so pick your weapon. Do you want the hickory stick? Do you want a slotted spoon that has less wind resistance? And she's basically just like scaring them. And she says to them, like, you know what? Because you're first time offenders and and you haven't done this before and you promise not to do it again. And if you write Mrs. McCluskey an apology letter, um, I'll let it slip this time. They agree quickly. And Lynette's really funny in this scene because she's like, oh, sweetie, do you know what psychological warfare is? And they're like, no. And she's like, too bad. So you write, dear Mrs. McCluskey. So Mrs. McCluskey just like, without knocking, straight up dives into Lynette's house, runs up the stairs, and she claims that she's looking for a hand-painted clock that her kids may have stolen from Mrs. McCluskey's house. Lynette, being the best mom she could be, is defending her kids to moon and back, and she's like, nope, not my kids, whatever, like, you've got it out for us. And she's, like, indignant about this. She's like, no, it's not my kids. You've probably lost it, you're getting senile, blah, blah, blah. And she basically starts the wall. Yeah, my favourite line is like, she's like, no offence, but you're getting up there in age. And Mrs. McCluskey is like, no offence, but you should be sterilised. <laughs> yeah. I don't get why parents always instinctively always go, oh, my kid doesn't steal, my kid doesn't lie. Like, you don't know, actually. Yeah, they're kids. Yeah, they're kids, exactly. And, like, her kids are a handful. You don't know that they didn't steal it. Yeah, and they literally stole something earlier in the episode. <laughs> That's not fair because Lynette's going through it. Like, she's judging Lynette with no rhyme or reason. Like, yes, her kids are annoying. But you don't judge other people's parenting skills like that. Uh, I think there's plenty of rhyme or reason, actually. I think there's plenty. Um, Her kids keep stealing things off of her. And Lynette's very, like, not even apologetic. She's like, no, you're old and a bitch, so my kids would never. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. She's not very nice to Mrs. McCluskey. Like, if she responded to her, yeah, sorry, I'll help you find it. Like, they wouldn't need to get into a throwdown. I feel like if someone steals my things, I'm going to want them back too. Especially because, like, for Mrs. McCluskey, that was a real sentimental piece. We find out that it was, like, her son that made it who passed away. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And that's what Mrs. McCluskey says later on. She's driving past and she's like, by the way, I'm still missing my clock. And also get your kids' dang bikes off the street. And Lynette causes a scene now as well and she's like I'll move it when you say please as if like that's not common ground and like where cars and stuff are so Mrs. McCluskey just like straight up runs over their bike and is like please move the bikes (laughs) but Lynette goes um another step further and she throws an egg at Mrs. McCluskey's car and then at Mrs. McCluskey's face like straight up on her head she throws an egg at an old lady Like, yeah. she, she goes ham. Exactly. No, she goes she, Then she goes home and she rings her insurance company and she's like, well, the car was hers, but the egg was mine. Does my insurance cover it? Like, what are you insuring? Nothing was yeah. damaged. Yeah, yeah. clean the damn egg. I know. And, like, I know, throughout all of this, Tom is just standing there holding the shopping bags, like, shocked, doesn't know what to do. He's just like, Ehh. Yeah, and for the first time, I stand with Tom, <laughs> like... That I was know. outrageous. Tom yeah. calls her over when she's like when she's just finished off the phone from the insurance company. Tom calls her over, 
and he found the boys' stash of stolen goods in their playhouse, and they stole a whole bunch of stuff, including the war clock. But, like, do these people never watch their kids? Because that's, like, the most obvious spot for them to stash things ever. Yeah, Do you not know what they put in their playhouse? But, like, my thing is, they're like, okay, yeah, so they've stashed it. Maybe they don't go into the cubby or whatever. How are these kids running all through the street, like, just grabbing things from different houses? Like, because the the wall clock was on a wall inside her house. When were they exactly. inside the house? Exactly. Yes. Yes, literally. This is the other thing. Like, do they never watch these kids? Like, do they just have free reign of the neighborhood? Basically. Yeah, but what does she do? She doesn't go apologize herself, does she? She takes her kids, shoves them into her house, and stands outside. Like, she never apologized once. Yeah, and I think an apology was owed. Yeah. yeah. Agreed. Yeah, so we see that McCluskey takes the kids inside, and she offers them a treat. What was it? Brickle? Brickle Brackle? Yeah, that's it. Brickle, I think. And they ask her about this old picture on her mantle, and she says that it's her son, and that he got very sick, and he died when he was very young. So you see, you know, she's gone through some experiences of her own. She's not a bad person. She does like kids. She even says to them, he was a terrorist like you kids. You would have gotten along. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I think he sees, she sees a lot of her own son in them. So, yeah, it's nice to see a little insight to Mrs. McCluskey. Yeah. That's right. And then we're up to um, Susan. Susan. Susie Q. Susie bitch. Yeah. I hate Susan. Okay, wow. Aggressive. (laughs) Okay, to be fair, she doesn't do anything particularly bitchy these, these episodes, but I just don't like her. Well... The first one does start with her being a little bit bitchy. So it starts off with her judging Lynette for her out-of-control kids. Yeah, and, that's um, true. It starts talking about how, like, um, she was a little smug about Julie because she was such a perfect creature. But then her kind of world comes crashing down because she realises maybe Julie isn't so perfect after all because she walks in on Julie and Zach kissing in the kitchen when she gets home. I want to quickly draw back to what you said about Susan um, being starting off the episode being a bitch. You're right. That is a bitchy thing to judge, not just like a random person with wild kids, but like your best yeah. friend. Yeah. And also like Susan had one kid. Lynette's got yeah. a million. Like she's got a million. The same. <laughs> I was going to say, I think my level of bitchiness has been forever altered by Pretty Little Liars because now whenever I think bitchy, I think Jenna's back and she's smashing into walls. <laughs> like, that's such a bitchy thing to say. So my level for bitchy is so much higher now. Yeah, exactly. This is a different show. The bitchy, the bitchy is more subtle. Yeah, so Susan decides to try plea with Paul. Um, she wants to he- his help to keep an eye on them. She's worried about, you know, them getting too close, etc. And Paul's like, oh, well, it doesn't matter anyway because we're going to move soon. Um, Zach was in the next room listening to this conversation. And he comes over angry. And um, he was like, oh, you said we, you, wouldn't, you were going to think about it or something like that. Like, why are we moving now? You decide without telling me. And it kind of escalates. Zach basically says to Paul, I wish um, mum shot you instead yeah. of yourself. I know. How wild. Very wild. In front of Susan. And Susan's like, oh, you're moving. We're going to miss you. Yeah, I know. (laughs) Susan, like, she annoys me, but she's very good at making things awkward, which is hilarious. And speaking of being awkward, um, Zach calls Julie and 
Um, Susan decides to e- decides to eavesdrop on this conversation between Zach and Julie. And I swear people mm. only ever eavesdrop on the juiciest gossip ever. No one's ever just like, no, you're the cutest. No, you're so cute. It's like, you didn't tell them what I told you about Dana, did you? Yeah. You, <laughs> you didn't tell them about all the murdering and the stealing. Yeah, you didn't tell everyone my deepest, darkest secrets, right? And then meanwhile, in the back of the kettle's just like, yeah, I feel like if anyone was to ever eavesdrop on our conversations, it would be more like, you know, um, what did you eat today? What are you going to eat later? So what are you going to eat this week? <laughs> what are you eating now? I can hear chewing. <laughs> I know, literally. That's all people would hear if they eavesdrop on our conversations. What are you doing for dinner? I don't know. What are you doing for dinner? I don't know. <laughs> I feel like it's all we, we talk re- about. Are we recording today? <laughs> I know, literally. What are we recording today? <laughs> the next thing we see is Susan has said she's going to chaperone the dance to keep a better eye on Zach and Julie. And she's really like laying it on thick to Julie right now. She's trying to get her to tell her whatever the secret is. So she's just like, so you know you can tell me anything, right? Like, for example, if you had this like heavy secret weighing on your mind or something, like, you know, you could tell me. Um, and Julie's going to be like so for example if you know anything about anyone called Dana (laughs) yeah I know (laughs) Susan's as subtle as a knife like and Julie's just like yeah I tell you everything (laughs) and meanwhile in the other room um in the other house Paul is also helping Zach get ready and he's like so what secrets have you told Julie essentially um while he's like subtle i know (laughs) tell me the secrets you've told julie or i'm gonna choke you to death with your own damn tie and zach says that you know he's been remembering stuff from when he was little and he remembers a lot of blood and you know mum's screaming and he remembers that he killed dana so he worries that julie may have told susan about this paul is also chaperoning He's decided he's also coming now. Every yeah. parent is in this room. Um, oh, no. And But Paul asks yeah. Susan to dance because, you know, they're playing a classic. Why wouldn't they dance? Why wouldn't you dance with this mm. creepy man that you're always, like, saying is creepy? And she's like, oh, well, you know, um, I was eavesdropping. And Paul is straight up yeah. basically like, oh, okay, so you do realise it was an accident. He didn't mean to kill Dana. yeah because susan is like pretends she knew everything all the time like she's like oh yeah yeah yeah, i know i know everything i heard everything and paul just like well you know he was a baby he didn't know what he was doing like you know it was ages ago and she's just like oh yep 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 never blamed him i i knew everything this whole time and everyone except susan apparently um is a dumbass because no one picks up on susan's super bad acting here but also, like, he didn't really give her any answers because he said they don't know what happened. By the time they ran to the crib, it was too late, is what they said. Yeah. And he very strongly hints that she should keep it to herself as well because he said, you know, yeah. it's um, it's a private matter and I would appreciate your discretion. He's hoping that this is kind of satisfied. Yeah. Meanwhile, she's probably texting Brie under the table or something. <laughs> yeah. With her feet as they're dancing. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Honestly, me though, because I feel like if I ever found out that someone we knew murdered someone else or something, and I'm like, yeah, 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 I won't tell anyone. I'm already texting you guys with my telepathy at least. 
You're like, oh, like how do you spell that? <laughs> I know. How do you spell Dana? <laughs> yeah. But um, we find out that Paul has possibly been lying to Zach or to uh, Susan or to himself. He's lying at least in one of the situations because he te- they get in the car and he tells uh, Zach basically that, oh, we need to talk about what you remember. Actually, those things didn't happen. I don't want you to go around thinking you killed someone because you didn't. Dana is very much alive. Yeah, what the damn hell? What the damn hell, Paul? Why would you sell your yes. why would you say your son killed someone if he didn't? Mystery. I know. Um, but then we cut to Paul and Zach getting home and Paul's like asking Zach, like, are you alright? Like that was a lot. Like, is everything okay? And he's like, So why and Zach's like, why are you telling me this now? And again, Paul's like, I didn't want you thinking you killed someone. And Zach's just kind of like, yeah, don't worry. I'll, I'll keep your secret, Dad, and everything. Um, but also, now that I know this, um, we're not leaving. And if you want my support, that's that's how it is. We're not moving anymore. And he's got, like, this big smirk on his face. And Paul's like, and what if I refuse? And Zach's like, hmm, you won't. And then he goes inside. Yeah. So, you know, whatever he's told Zach is juicy. I'll be like, actually, I changed my mind. You did kill someone. <laughs> I know, literally. Dana is very much dead. <laughs> Dana is very much dead. She died twice. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I think we're at the next episode now. Yeah, we are. So Susan is telling the others about, like, Zach and Dana. But Susan's kind of like, you know, it doesn't really make sense to me. Because, like, yeah, I get it. This would have been a big secret for Mary Alice. But then why don't they have any pictures of this kid? Like, why was she Angela? Like, it doesn't make sense. Still. I don't know if I trust Paul is what she's saying. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, like, fair enough, fair enough questions. But also, like, if you had a kid that died at the hands of another kid and you were trying to hide it, you wouldn't have photos of them up so that people don't ask yeah. questions? Like, That's right. And keeping, like, one blanket in your cupboard isn't going to, like, raise questions yeah. who's going through your cupboards besides maybe Mrs. McCluskey. <laughs> Yeah. Um. So Susan does make Mike a hand illustrated, but mm. Mike's like, you know, I booked a dinner at Le Petite Fleur or something like that, like the small flower. And um, Susan's like, oh my god, that place is so pretentious. I can't wait to go. Yeah. Meanwhile, though, as they're having this chat, um, Lynette's kids are running away from her hiding because I think they're avoiding their punishment. Um. So they've gone of off and they're hiding like around the corner from Susan's house so Mike goes over the, there and he's like you know super great with kids Mike all of a sudden and he's like oh come on guys you gotta go home and face the music and come on I'll carry some of you and one of you can follow and he's just kind I of know. a kid person <laughs> yeah and, um, so he convinces the kids to go back home to Lynette and um, he turns around to Susan and says oh like I love kids can't wait to have my own someday and Susan in true Susan style literally trips and falls from surprise she wasn't expecting him to want kids I guess and then this is when she like starts to dump all her problems on her child again so Julie is too young to be kissing someone oh my god that's exactly how I was going to phrase it keep saying it yeah (laughs) yeah yeah so Julie she's uh too too young to be kissing someone but she's not too young to be hearing about whether Susan should or shouldn't have kids with this new man of hers. I know, um, right? And, yeah, she's just, like, dumping all her problems on Julie and she's like, I can't have another baby. Like, I love you, but it was, like, really overwhelming and 
blah, blah, blah. And then the other thing is, though, this scene has real, like, the most important thing is to have a man vibes, which is, I'm like, is that really what you yes. want to teach your daughter? Like, she's like, I don't want to lose him. Like, I don't want to have a kid, but I also don't want to lose him. And it's like, mate, teach your child not to act like that around a man. Do you know what I mean? Like, the child that you're trying to keep ground. away from a man right now. <laughs> yeah, literally. So Julie is once again the voice of reason. And she's like to Susan, well, I mean, if this is a deal breaker, you need to know now. So just like rip off the bandaid and have a conversation with him about it. We flash to Mike next. And um, he's not thinking about children at all. He's uh, doing his investigation and he breaks into someone's house looking for some clues, I guess. But what he didn't know was that the guy was in his bedroom with, the, with a gun still. So when Mike opens the door, the guy just shoots him and he runs and gets out of there. He manages to drive off, but we see that he's been kind of shot in the abdomen. Um, yeah. He has his dodgy Noah's doctor come over to fix him up. And um, I like that this show has more than one doctor. Like, it wasn't Rex fixing him. It was another yeah. doctor. So that's I impressive. Know, right? <laughs> it is. Yeah. Like, if this was Pretty Little Liars, it would 100% be Ren. <laughs> yeah. That's the only and doctor Ren's they got. not even, like, a full doctor. He's, like, on his, like, internship rotations and he's, like, solving exactly. everyone's problems. <laughs> he's exactly. diagnosing so, mental patients. <laughs> yeah. So Noah's doctor comes over to fix him up. And um, they're having a chat about, you know, what's been happening. He says, he tells Noah that he, he tells the doctor to tell Noah that he's getting closer. And someone apparently recognized a photo that he had on him. Um, they were yeah. renting a house over on Pine Avenue. Well, so while he's getting stitched up, Susan calls because she's been um, agonizing over the whole telling him thing. Okay, it's important to talk about it, but like, it doesn't have to be immediately, Susan. Like, you can do it at a, you know, a time that works. But she's yeah. like, are you there? I'll come over now. I need to talk to you. Like, it's not that urgent, Susan. Like, <laughs> relax a bit. He says, don't come over now. I've got a buddy over. Um, can it wait? And then she's like, oh, it's kind of important. But, yeah, I guess it can wait. Um, but, like, it's not that important that he can't wait until tomorrow. Like, and his great big plan is th- that he's going to go to dinner because he can't cancel um, because of his injury because Susan will get suspicious. But, like, um, yes, he can. Just say that you're sick. Stay at home in bed covered with a blanket. She can come over and see you if she wants. Don't get off the couch. Like, I feel like there's a lot yeah, of options exactly. to cover it so she's not suspicious. Oh, my God. But they don't cancel. They go to this restaurant. And oh, this dress, this body dress Susan wears. Oh, my God. I, I know. Okay, so I this dress even. is not appropriate for the kind of restaurant they went to. Like, No, like, it's a nice dress and she looks great in it, right? Like, she looks lovely. She has a great figure. It's a great dress to go clubbing in. It's not a great dress That's what to I go was to a say. fancy French restaurant in. Fully agree. And she's waddling over and she's like, oh, and Mike's like, what's wrong? Even the guy who's been shot is walking faster than you. And you're like, it's because this dress is riding up. And it's like, it's already up to her coochie. Um, Yeah. And she's like, it's about to be happy Valentine's Day for everyone. (laughs) I know. But because she's wearing this short dress, some guy's fixing a table and uh, something wrong with the table. He's putting like a little wedge under it so it's not wobbling. Susan doesn't, can't see a whole man next to her seat. So she sits down, legs open. Um, and this yeah. guy is like, um, excuse me, ma'am, your vagina is in my face. It's on my forehead right now. So she goes, oh, 
and jumps back, throws her chair and whole body back into a server, throws plates on the floor. Someone turns around to look and trips over the man coming out from under the table. Mike has to catch her and tears his stitches. (laughs) So he just starts bleeding through his shirt. And while he's, like, dying, she's trying to have that I can't have a kid's conversation with him. And she can't see that there's something wrong. Like, she just thinks... This is a vis- very visible reaction to what she's saying, I think. And it's like, why don't you ask him if he's well? He clearly looks unwell. I know, literally. It's just like going literally. on and on and on. Mike's literally dying in front of her face. <laughs> and she's just going on and on and on. And um, literally, exactly. Like, stripping like on the floor. And he's like, oh, I have to go. Susan still thinks this is about the kid thing. Yeah. Then this is another I hate Susan moment because she's like, you're leaving without even trying to convince me to have your baby? How do you know I won't cave? I always cave. Like, mate, he didn't even say oh. anything and you're already like, I'm going to cave. Having this man, the most important thing in your life. Yeah. And then um, we um cut to the hospital where Sus- uh, Mike is in getting some treatment. Susan's waiting outside for him and the doctor and the nurse come out like gossip first. <laughs> I know. And, um, that door is not even closed yet. <laughs> Yeah, and they were like, there is no way that that wound is self-inflicted. And I don't buy his story about how he doesn't remember who stitched him up anyway. And the police are on their way. They'll find out. Like, they're just like, yeah. in Gossip Central, they're just loving it. This is what they live for. I know. And so Susan's Me as a heard doctor, all yes. this. <laughs> yeah, so Susan's heard all of this, and I guess she gets a little bit suspicious. Um, she goes in to see him and he apologizes. He's like, sorry for ruining dinner. Like, mate, you bled on the floor. <laughs> like, it's okay. <laughs> story that uh, Mike's come up with is he says that he was cleaning his automatic gun um, and just had an accident and was too embarrassed to tell her. So, yeah, I guess the police are going to come question him about it and they do at the end of this scene. But first he says that he heard the thing that she was saying about kids and he doesn't care. He just wants to be with her above everything else, which is also like he's also throwing all his values aside. He literally was like, I can't wait to have my own kids. And now he's like, nah, Susan's the most important thing in my life. Yeah, I know. Okay. That's why they're maybe that's why they're so good together. Neither of them have values or care about anything besides each other. Yeah, neither. They both fold all the time. Even worse, I feel like, happens than Mike shooting himself and then bleeding out at dinner. Lynette goes to see Susan and she's like, oh, by the way, my kids are thieves. I have to get them some of that anti-thieving meds that Mike is on. Mike from Pretty Little Liars. Yeah, Um, Mike from Pretty Little Liars. Not to be confused with this Mike. I know. Um, So I need to get them some anti-thieving meds, but... um, they said they found something in Mike's garage in his like workbench and she shows her and it's like this bracelet and ring and Susan's like, okay, so like, you know, it's jewelry. It's like, look at the engravement. And it says Martha Hoover's name written on it. And there's also possibly some blood on it. She kind of is like, what does this mean? And she's like, I don't know. My question here is also who wears jewelry that's engraved with their own name in it? Like full Maybe name, not just Martha, it. Martha Hoover, in case you Maybe didn't know who you were. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe someone gave it to them as a gift. Okay, so someone's giving you a gift. They're not going to put Suna on it. They're going to put Suna <laughs> in case there was any confusion. Yeah, exactly. Gonna... They better. Yeah, yeah, they better. Put full name on it. Yeah. 
I want uh, <laughs> just in case you didn't know. Full name, date of birth, two points of ID. <laughs> like, well, I was gonna say I wouldn't know. You need it because you are named after our grandmother, who has literally the same name as you. Could have been hers. <laughs> Could have been, yeah. And yeah, so this has yeah. Susan thinking. So she just like stares at his card and then his house and is sad. She's like, "What does this all yeah. mean?" And then I think that's all for exactly. Susan. We only have um one little other bit to cover, which is a little bit of sideways drama in the Mar- Mary Alice timeline that um didn't really fit into oh, anyone yeah. else's. So turns out, out of, out of all these freaks, um, and by these freaks, I mean the husbands <laughs> of Wisteria Lane. <laughs> yeah. Out of all these freaks, turns out Paul is the smartest of all the husbands because he's got a standing order with the florist for Valentine's Day. So you know he didn't forget it. But yeah, exactly. He did forget to he did forget to cancel it this year after Mary Alice passed away. So his flowers still got delivered, but they ended up at um Felicia's house uh, over at Martha's house. So Felicia brings over the flowers, and you know they're having a small chat and. Uh, Felicia sees a photo on the fridge of Mary Alice um, and she turns around and she says oh my god that's Angela from Utah and Paul's like what the fuck are you talking about that's my wife Mary Alice she's never been to Utah it's a mistake get the hell out of my house (laughs) I know literally (laughs) literally that was the exact scene verbatim yeah exactly Um, I felt like Paul was in the room with us Yeah, so Felicia's like, oh, yeah, so it must be my mistake, sorry, and leaves. But obviously she's not convinced. Um, and she goes home. Yeah, because Paul, of the way Paul acted, I feel like yeah, 100%. If someone said that to me, like, oh, no, you're mistaken. That's just, you know, my wife, her name's Mary Alice. I'd be like, oh, yeah, sorry, it must be like a doppelganger or something. It's uncanny and then leave it at that. But no, he had yeah. to be like, she's never been to Utah. Get the fuck out of my house. <laughs> yeah. He really freaks out. Um, so Felicia goes home and she's going through old pictures uh, of oh um, when she worked at a hospital in Utah. But quick first one second. She's going yeah. through Martha's photo albums. Did you happen yeah. to take note of what as what they were categorized as? <laughs> no, I didn't. What were they categorized <laughs> okay. as? Okay. So there was some like, you know, 1990 whatever to whatever date, you know, dates and stuff like that, which is fine. And then it moves on to, like, um, family photos and things like that. But she had one that was labelled car accidents. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe they were, like, insurance photos or something. A whole album (laughs) next to your family photos and next to your annual things. I suspect Mrs. Hoover was so nosy (laughs) that any car accident she saw, she took photos of and stored them. (laughs) Because I wouldn't put it past her. Because I, I saw that and I paused it and I was like, am I reading this right? It 100% says car accidents. That's funny. <laughs> and That's if really not, funny. if they are her own, like, if it is, like, from her own accidents, how many accidents were you in that you need a whole photo album? <laughs> she wasn't a good driver, let's put it that way. <laughs> I know. Um, so she goes into the family album and looks at the photos that um, Felicity, Felicity had um, sent Felicia to Martha. Oh, Felicia. Felicia. I was Why so are you changing her name? Answer. I don't know. I don't know. I was just like, Felicia. Yeah, Felicia. Felicia. <laughs> it is Wait, Felicia. No, Felicity. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my gosh. She's like looking through the photos that Felicia had 
sent to Martha through Martha's album. So now Felicia's looking at her own photos in Martha's album. And she's going back to a photo that is of her herself and um, Angela standing in a hospital, both in nurses' outfits. So drama unfolds. Cool. Well, thanks for joining. We did lose a sister along the way, so it's just the two of us left now. Um, but Arzun, did you have any worse sister stories? Yes, I did actually. And it just reminded me just before when we were talking about my confusion around Felicity and Felicia. Yeah. Lately, I don't know what's going on. Maybe I've like had a secret aneurysm or a stroke or something, but I feel like I'm thinking one thing and I'm saying the other like constantly. This happened again literally yesterday so yesterday I made dinner I made um masa mum beef curry in the slow cooker every time I spoke like when I went to the butcher to pick up the meat he was like oh you know what are you making and I'm like oh yeah beef in the dress and he's like oh yeah I'm cool I'm talking to Luke on the phone and he's like oh cool what's for dinner I'm like oh yeah I'm making beef in the dress that's cool I remember telling you I'm making beef in the dress yeah that's cool and I only realized when I was speaking to Luke on the phone on his way home, he was like, oh, what are you doing for dinner? And I said, beef madras. He's like, oh, what's that? And I was like, what do you mean, what's that? That's what you literally always order from the Thai place. And he's like, I've never had that before. And I'm like, you've ordered it like so many times. What are you talking about? And yeah. he's like, do you mean like masa mum beef? And I was like, oh, shit, I don't know why I was thinking of madras because like, yeah. you're right, that is what you order every single time. Sorry, I... I've made madras and he's like oh that's fine like we'll see what it's like and I'll, I'm sure I'll still like it and then I went and looked at the jar like of the curry paste that I used and it was muscle mom beef I didn't know what the hell I was making until I was done <laughs> <laughs> so in my head it was muscle mom beef I knew what he liked and what he ordered and that's why I made it but every single time I spoke to anyone at that I was like yeah beef madras yeah correct <laughs> Even to the point where you're like, oh, I know that's what you like, but too bad I made him a dress. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> Literally to the point of that. And to the point where like I so second guessed myself that I checked the jar again. I pulled it out of the bin to be like, what did I even make? Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Mate, you need help. But also, can I say, this isn't the first time you've done stuff like this, except usually when I call you up on it, you insist you didn't say that. Yeah, I know. I didn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> like, you literally did. I just heard you. I didn't say that. <laughs> that wasn't me. Oh, my God. That was the Holy Spirit. <laughs> yeah. So, like, I'm not at all surprised. This is what I've been putting up with my whole life. <laughs> I feel like I'm just noticing it so much more because I feel like maybe it's with the fact that we have the podcast now and I hear the recording back sometimes. I'm like noticing that like in my head I know what I'm saying but something coming out of my mouth is completely different. (laughs) So yeah, that's my worst sister story. Um, Do you have one? Oh yeah, I do have one about yoga. So a couple of weeks ago – I decided I went to yoga for the first time in a long time. Like I hadn't been for like at least three years, possibly five or seven. <laughs> like it's been a long time. <laughs> yeah, you've and, only done um, it once or twice. <laughs> I've only done it once or twice. So I turn up to yoga and I, you know, find a mat. Um, well, actually, I went to find a mat because uh, I have them in a stock there, and I didn't want to buy my own yet because I wanted to make sure that I was going to commit to it first. So I was just going to use the gym one. 
Yeah. So I get there and um, I open the cupboard where the things are. And I was like, oh, as I was opening it, oh, is this where the mats are? And one of the ladies that was there, she seems like a regular. She was all setting up when I got there. She was like, yeah, and the bricks are in there too if you ne- if you need them. And I was like, ah, oh, like I've never used that before. But I think it sounded like real snobby when I meant I don't know what a brick is and I don't know what to do with it is what I meant. <laughs> but so I soon discovered that the bricks are used to help you do like the more complex moves if you're not as flexible and stuff. So like, for example, when you're meant to be like, you know, reaching down, um, if you can't reach the floor all the way, you use a brick and you use the brick as like the substitute floor. So that's what it's like helping you do. So me saying, oh, I've never used a brick before sounded really snobby. <laughs> yeah (laughs) but it wasn't meant to be like oh I'm too good for a brick it was meant to be I don't know what a brick does you have a history of this (laughs) I know I have a history of this this is exactly like the whole boxing thing all over again so I had to like smooth it over with this lady (laughs) yeah so I had to smooth it smooth it over with this lady when I realized so I just kind of went and sat next to her and I was like so what do we do with the bricks and she told (laughs) me about it and um I was like oh cool I haven't done that before I'll just follow your lead um, yeah, and so smoothed it over. It was all good, but yeah, I just sounded like a real snob by accident yeah. <laughs> when I didn't mean to. I was just clueless. Did you give her your fancy laugh as well? Your rich lady laugh that Sadie loves as well. Oh, <laughs> I've never, I've never even used, used the brick. brick. Before. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, that's how I imagine these conversations go. Yeah, they probably do. I don't know. But yeah, that's my worst sister story. Thank you guys for listening to Whisperia Lane. Please let us know if you've got any comments or anything that you want to talk about. If you've got any additions or um, any objections to the discussions that we've had today, we'd love to hear it. Uh, We're available on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok and Reddit as at Worst Sister Shire. And we are on Twitter slash X as Sister Worst. Yeah, please get in touch and thank you. But you can also reach us on our email address, which is worstsistershire at gmail.com. One, two, three. Had a bum. bum.